Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners to the show. Uh, today on the episode, we're going to be talking about consent, and we're going to be talking about like how do you talk to your kids about it. My guest today is Sara Casper. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you today? Doing well, a little chilly, but overall pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we're we, we're getting we're getting the same kind of chill coming through. I think our weathers are pretty similar. Yeah. And having said that, uh, maybe we should start with like, tell us a little bit about you. Tell us where you're. Tell us where you are, and then tell us like what got you into working and teaching and educating about consent. Because I'm very curious. Sure. So my name is Sarah Casper and I am podcasting in from Brooklyn, New York, uh, which is my home. And this is where I teach eventually in person, but for now, virtually uh, parents about consent in terms of how to teach it to their kids. And how I got into this is a story I love to tell because it is uh, through acrobatics that I got into it, which is not an answer that people are usually expecting. Um, But I am a practitioner of partnered acrobatics or partnered acro yoga. And that means that uh, when I am doing my sport, I'm spending a lot of time communicating about my body's needs and my partner's needs, body's needs um, to make everything work, right? It doesn't, if just my body feels good or just their body feels good, the trick, the the move, it's the, the routine, it, it, it's not successful. What I really need to do is talk about my body and its boundaries and its limits and its interests and listen to theirs. And I started thinking about how this was kind of a life skill. It was the skill of consent. It was a skill about communicating your body boundaries. And I had never learned that outside of acro yoga. Um, and I, my background is in uh, psychology, specifically uh, teaching social and emotional skills to kids. And I was like, oh, this is social skills and emotional skills, dealing with rejection and being kind of upset that maybe something didn't go well or someone didn't want to do something. The social interaction, of course, of communication and setting boundaries. And I thought, I wonder if there's a way where I can teach about consent, where it, it's taught to kids and it has nothing to do with sex explicitly. It's building the foundation so that you have consensual sex when you're older, but it's really about navigating your body boundaries. Um, And so that's how I got into this work. Well, aren't I glad I asked that question because I was like, that was a total surprise. I was like, I would never have guessed, but I I've seen, um, you know, people, do acro yoga like on the beaches in like Costa Rica and like they're transitioning from one kind of to me seems like a super crazy move to like a different and they're like and I'm just looking at them with this like awe 
of like, how are you doing that? And it's very, very cool. So that's interesting that like that got you thinking about consent. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited now to like dive deeper into this. So maybe we should start with like the definition of consent. Like what is consent? How do you frame consent, you know, when you're having discussions? Yeah, I, I frame consent very much as a process and not a result. So people will call it an agreement and, and that works. I would call it more of like an ongoing conversation where um, both parties are, have empathy, self-awareness, social awareness, um, respect for each other, uh, internalized body rights. It really, once I start defining finding it, I all of a sudden have to define 18 other things <laughs> because it's inclusive of so much. But what a, how I mainly talk about consent is an ongoing conversation about body boundaries. Okay. That seems like a definition that would be simple to understand from like a child's perspective um, versus, you know, yeah, sure. We get, we can get into the really, uh, you know, psychological and like, I'll probably follow you along, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, if, if, if a parent's like trying to kind of define that and I, you know what, I actually like that definition and I like that you distinguish that it's not like an end point, but more like this ongoing flow because like, what might feel or seem logically or like cognitively, like, a, you know, somebody says something and, and this is just outside, even outside of, you know, we're talking sex, but, you know, somebody says, Hey, like this and this would be really cool. And you're like, yeah, that would be really cool. Like, yeah, I'm going to go bungee jumping. And then like you get there and then you're like, yeah, you know what? Well, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't think the context or the situation or my mind frame. Uh, so having, yeah, I like that. It's a, process that doesn't have a defined destination that requires that ongoing communication. I really like that. Yeah, because it's it's really important because you'll talk about like, did you get consent? And, and sure, there is like the first yes that you want to get. But to talk about it without talking about the process and the ongoingness of it really does everyone a disservice. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's spot right. You can change your mind at any time. And as, um, uh, bodies move and things develop, you might want to go from like, uh, hugging your kid to like cuddling them and like, nuss like nestling their hair. I don't know what the word is like. Ruffling. Um, yeah, I'm trying to like, think like a, uh, noogie. Yeah. A noogie. <laughs> like, right. That's a different, it happened naturally, but that's truly a different physical touch. And so to check in kind of maybe after you do it or before you do it of like, oh, do you like that by the way? Unless you already know that they like it or don't like it. Um, and then how you navigate that is different, um, but it's not, our bodies aren't stuck in space and time. And so consent can't be either. Interesting. I want to ask about how would you begin the conversation 
around consent, like with, let's say, you know, a six-year-old versus a 14, 15-year-old? Because you said it's kind of like you're building these, you know, discussions, uh, not necessarily around like sex itself, but just like how, so I imagine the way that you kind of talk to a six-year-old is probably a little different to a 14-year-old. So I guess probably logically it would seem appropriate to start with a six-year-old like how would you chat with a younger child to start building those blocks and then how might that look different to a 14 15 year old yeah it definitely i mean of course it depends on what conversations you've had already in the culture in your home uh but with six-year-old it's really about i really would use the word body boundaries and how your body is your home you, you live in it forever. It's yours. It belongs to you and only you. And they can kind of understand that. Um, and so you get to uh, make certain decisions about it. You'll also have um, a conversation about health and safety issues where they don't have as much choice. And I, there is a lot of information on how to manage health and safety and body boundaries at the same time. Um, but health and safety aside, it's when we're talking about hugs and kisses and right noogies, um, you get to choose. And I'll ask you and you can say yes or no. And it's really not about um, penalizing them if they don't ask you or if they mess up. It's really about starting to create that internal sense of my body is mine, of bodily autonomy. Um, and then for a 14 year old, it would be more like saying, hey, I know we did, I think there's something very important and valuable about saying we did things one way and that wasn't necessarily the best way. I want you to understand that you have bodily autonomy. So if you, you used to say you have to hug grandma, you have to kiss grandpa, there is something valuable to saying like, I didn't realize that I was kind of by accident telling you that you don't get to make choices about your body and you do. Right. So if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. If you don't want to eat that, it's your body. You know, you choose um, and kind of re giving them back that that body power. And then depending on where you are in your conversations with them about sex, then you might talk about um, how it comes up. But the truth is that there is no place on the body where you don't have to ask or do have to ask which is why it's not really about sex. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden when their shirt's off, that's when you got to start asking to touch. It's anytime you touch them, you need to ask. Um, so it's it's different in terms of they can understand a little bit better as a 14-year-old, like nuances in terms of body language and in terms of I, what an I statement is and, and how to be assertive is a little bit more clear, the distinction between assertive, aggressive, and submissive. But in terms of the practicality of it, it's really quite similar actually to a six-year-old. Okay. Yeah. And, and we're going to dive a little deeper, obviously, um, you know, into kind of components of consent and how we begin to, you know, kind of think about it more, more, more deeply, but yeah, I, I think, you know, kind of, helping kids understand that they do have choice. You know, I try to, you know, my, 
my daughter's four right now. And it's like, you know, they're sort of being taught about like, you know, if there's a kid on the playground that like is, you know, pushing you or like tickling you and you don't like that, you know, you learn to say, I don't like that. Um, and so, you know, being able to begin having that early conversation, obviously in those cases, you know, we're talking usually in a non-sexual, you know, context, but, but, but that builds the foundations then to become more comfortable to say like, I don't like that, or I don't want that. Um, and then of course it gets a little more complicated, the older we get, um, and we're going to. Uh, chat about those uh, kind of complication pieces as well. But um, maybe we should talk about um, sort of like, you know, you said consent is a process, um, an ongoing process. What are some of the things or what are some of the components of consent? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question because I think often we get um, kind of stuck for, and I totally understand why, on the asking and the answering, right? So you ask for consent, they say yes or no, right? No means no, yes means yes. That's the, um, I would say, if I surveyed people, that's what they say, yeah, that's consent. But it goes so much deeper than that because there's also, how is that person who asked responding to the answer? And what I mean by that is if I ask you for a hug, and you say no, what do I say next? Or what do I do next? That's really important because I have here the option to say, cool, thanks for telling me. Or I have the option to say, oh my God, you're so prude, right? And those two responses are very different. So I might respect, I might under, I might respect the no, respect loosely. <laughs> I might not touch you, but I'm not being kind about it. I'm kind of coercing you. I'm I'm making you doubt yourself and and that might make you change your mind. Um, so there's really, there's the acknowledgement afterwards. And then even deeper than that, there's also like, how are you handling that no, not just in the moment to that person, but afterwards, you know, are you blaming yourself? Are you saying no one's gonna love me? No one wants me to kiss them forever? Like that's really emotionally damaging. That's where these like emotional, social and emotional skills. Um, or are you saying like, oh, cool. I'll ask them another time maybe, or I'm gonna go do my homework now. Is it just like shrug it off because their body boundaries have nothing to do with me. It has to do with them. Um, so it's not just about the asking and the answering. It's about the in the moment acknowledgement. It's about handling the rejection afterwards. It's also about things like power dynamics, right? And recognizing that it's depending on what culture your child is raised in, it might be really hard for them to say no to an adult. They were told that the adult is always right, respect adult, adults, do what the adult says. It's a really mixed messaging for saying, do what the adult says, and also you get to choose your own boundaries. And so that discrepancy can be tricky. Body language comes into play. Mindfulness, are you tuning into your own body? This is what I, I mean about the process. There's really so many layers to it where it's not as straightforward as a yes or no. It's, it's more complicated. 
life is complicated. I wish there was like a, you know, just like, you know, this like blueprint and, you know, all of us just like follow this blueprint. And, 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 and I think that's what makes, you know, this very tricky and can, you know, and then I'm, you know, thinking to myself, like, how do I begin to have this conversation? Where do I start? Like, you know, but you're right. And, and sometimes there's conflicting messaging, you know, in the media and social media. And well, my friend, you know, their parents told them this and then, right. And like, how do you navigate the whole spectrum of like the process and then the emotional responses afterwards? So um, you mentioned, um, you know, power dynamics. Are there any other kind of um, dynamics that may kind of make things more tricky? Yeah. Um, well, power dynamics is a big umbrella and encompasses a lot. I, but aside from that, I think, and something that's like inclusive of this, but also separate is gender roles. So gender can be a power dynamic in certain situations. And depending on the situation, it can go either way. If we're thinking of gender in a binary and honestly, even if we're not, it can go many different ways. Um, but even just like social scripts for when it comes to gender. So when, if, if boys are being told or getting messages exactly from what, like you said in the media about a man takes what's his and boys don't cry and boys are strong. When it comes to a consent interaction, that's going to be very confusing for them because they're supposed to ask, but they're supposed to take what's theirs. They're supposed to accept a no, but they're not supposed to cry. And it's and it gets all mixed up. And for girls, they're getting the message of, you know, be uh, submissive, you know, be kind and polite and follow the rules. And and sex is something you you give to a boy when he wants it. Um obviously not in those direct terms, but those subtleties are everywhere. And so it can be really hard for A, a girl to ask for what she wants and B, to know how to say no, because if she thinks she's being mean or rude, then she's not going to say no. So it's really, when talking about consent with kids, it's really about having teaching all the kids all the skills and also being aware of things like gender violence statistics and gendered social scripts. So you can say, oh, you know, we were watching that TV show and that happened. You know, you're allowed to, do you know you're allowed to say no? Let's talk about what it means to say no and having those conversations. Do you, um, do you have like a model that you kind of follow when it comes to like consent? Do you kind of have like kind of some structures that you, you know, kind of follow when you're having a discussion around this? I'm just trying to think, you know, cause you know, I, 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 obviously you and I had a bit of a conversation, so I know kind of like where we're going with this. Uh, but, you know, as a parent, you know, you're sitting there and it's like, okay, so I got to think about this and I got to think about this. Do you kind of have like a um, sort of a, a structure that you or a, a model that you follow that might be helpful for parents to kind of like try to figure out where to begin. Yes. Yes, awesome. definitely. 
Um, so the model that I use is a who, what, where, when, and how model, which is really nice when teaching it to kids because most kids learn this in their um, English classes. If they're in, in the States, it's an English class. I, do they learn French in Canada? Is that like we part do, of? Yeah, we do learn French, but uh, we have, they have English classes too. So I'm assuming they're learning though, you know, the difference between, yeah, they're going to learn that. So yeah, yeah, I totally get it. And I think, yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. I'm just like, I'm curious. Um, yeah. So they learn it in like story writing, right? Who is the character? What are they doing? Where is it happening? All of that. So how I break down this who, what, where, when, and how structure is who. So who is the person that you may or may not touch, um, that you might or might not touch, I should say. Um, so that could be either a specific person or a group of people. So it could be mom, dad, strangers, aunts, friends, and you might have different boundaries depending on who the who is. Uh, the what is what kind of touch. So hugs, kiss, tickle, foot rub, you name it, or rub, I should say. Then the uh, where is where on the body. So that's where it would come into foot rub, back massage, uh, hand rub. Those are different things. And so already you can start to kind of see probably in your brain that, okay, if it's a with mom and it's a massage on my back, that sounds great. A stranger massaging my foot, that sounds horrible. And so you start to see how like different scenarios might make up, uh, different elements might make up different scenarios. And then when we get to the the when piece, that is twofold. It is both set and setting. So what is your mind set? What mood are you in? And also what is your physical environment? So are you happy, sad, disappointed, angry, et cetera? Um, and then also what is your physical setting? So are you at school? Are you at home? Is it dark out? Are there people around? Those kinds of things, adding more elements to it. And then the last element is how, and that's the most, um, it, it, this can be a little uh, cerebral. Uh, it's like, how long is the hug? How tight is the hug? Um, how wet is the kiss? It's that kind of like extra element that some things have and some don't. Uh, but all of those can make a difference. So obviously like foot rub from a stranger, back massage from mom, those are to me two opposite poles. But what if it's a hug from mom when you're sad versus a hug from mom when you're angry? That's a very subtle nuance. So it's not telling, it's not, I don't like hugs. It's, I don't like hugs when I'm angry. And so it really gets you in touch with yourself and with your body when you can label what you don't like about it. And it also gives you a chance to communicate better and offer alternatives. So again, with a stranger, you don't need to offer an alternative. You can just say, no, bye, see you later or never. Um, but when it comes to someone who you love, you can say, oh, I don't want to kiss right now, but maybe a hug, or I don't feel like a hug now because I'm angry, maybe a hug later when I'm kind of cooled down. Um, and so this structure can be really helpful for helping kids understand how many variations of touch there are. It can help them communicate about what they don't like about it. Um, and it can help them when they get a quote unquote rejection to realize it doesn't have to do with them as a person. It could be just like the other person's sad or the other person doesn't like hugs or the other person, um, you know, gets creeped out in the dark, whatever it is. And it's, you start to depersonalize a little bit, which can be very helpful. Uh, so that's the model that I teach when it comes to consent. 
Yeah. And I think that's a, that's, you know, a fairly simple and easy model to work with, I think across, you know, all the ages. And and I think it offers, as you mentioned, like a nice way of being able to communicate, even as a teenager, right. Um, things that you do or do not like, like maybe you don't like PDA, meaning like public displays of affection. It's like, right. And then you could say like, Hey, um, you know, I like holding your hand, but you know what? I really don't like holding your hand when we're like amongst my groups of friends because they tease me about it or something. You know what I mean? Like, or whatever it is, you can communicate it a little bit more clearly that lets your partner know, hey, it's not like it's not you. And it's not like I don't like you holding my hand, but I just don't like it in this particular context, Um, which I think makes things a little bit easier. Um. But yeah. We're, yeah, it's better. It's it's more clear communication. It's yeah. narrowing it down. It's getting more specific. And so it helps them learn about you as a person and helps them know what your boundaries are so that you feel respected and heard and um, can kind of build that relationship on respect and, and trust. And it can also alert you to like, if you're like, you know, especially when you're a teenager, you know, a teenager and you're young and you're, you know, with this boy. And then like, you know, if he's kind of he, she, anyone doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I guess it doesn't matter if it's, you know, cis gender and or hetero homosexual. I think it all applies in the sense of like, if you're not going to, res- you know, like if you're going to respond poorly or you're going to make me feel bad about how I'm communicating or you don't like what I'm saying to you might be a really good indicator of like some issues that might be there. Yeah. You just said two things um, that really like, oh my God, I want to talk about this. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. The first is what you said about like, whether they're cis, hetero, homosexual, trans, whatever it is. The only, the, there is no difference. If there is one, it's just that there are fewer social scripts to follow. Now there are more social scripts about like, what gay is or what a lesbian looks like. Um, but generally it's actually, it, it, it can, it's just, it's just different, right? If you have two women who are in a, or two girls who are in a relationship who um, both of them are told that they're not supposed to ask first for a kiss, like they're not going to get anywhere. Um, but those scripts make no sense. It's, it's supposed to be like a give and take, um, like any relationship and that balance. Um, so that's, that's the, just the only thing I'll say about that. Um, but what you also had me excited about is um, low level boundary setting, which is a term that I learned from Jacqueline Friedman, who's a sex educator. And she says that what she does uh, in her like adult relationships sometimes is she'll set a low level boundary. Like I don't like holding hands in public or uh, you know, I don't like when you touch my waist. And if they can't respect that, they are not a safe person to take home. And so it's like that low level boundary can be like a really um, strong indicator of the safety of this person overall, which is what you said. There's just a name for it, low level boundary setting. And I love using that also in like in like my life to see like if they, if they can't respect something small, like uh, why would I trust them to respect something big? Right. And, and, and that 
I think um, certainly is more important with things like online dating, where you're kind of meeting somebody that you don't really know, right? Because, you know, back when, you know, back in the day, not to age myself, but we didn't have online dating and stuff like that. So like if you were meeting somebody it was usually through people like you knew and, and it would still be applicable to use that. But I think the stakes are a little bit higher when you're now meeting people that you, your friends might not even know, like nobody in your primary circle knows this person. And so using something simple, uh, like using a simple boundary could help you really, um, maybe we're talking now outside of kids, uh, but I think it's just relevant to mention um, that that could be a great way, you know, to kind of get them aware that they can use that as a strategy as they get older is like, you know, you can, you can set small boundaries and then see how that person responds to see if they're going to be respectful of you and like whether or not you want to kind of continue dating and then, you know, eventually explore other things. And this is why it's so important to teach them young because you're only talking about consent in the context of sex. How are you going to test low level boundaries? That'll seem absurd to you. But if you have like internalized consent culture and bodily autonomy, it's like, oh no, like my body is mine. You should touch, you should like respect it in any way. Um, So that's definitely one of the reasons why it's important to start young is because you need to kind of like practice and get good at it and play with it a little bit before you're out there in their in those high stakes environment. And it's just about sex. Right. Exactly. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about vulnerability and shame because you actually brought that up um, when you talked about the two lesbians sort of, because as females generally, we're sort of told not to be the, um, initiators. Um, And so if you have two women who are not initiating, nothing is going to happen, right? Which means in that particular context, um, somebody has to take the first step, which means somebody has to be vulnerable to asking and they might get rejected. So um, I want to talk about that aspect as it relates to consent and then the shaming part that can influence consent. Yes. So one of the hardest pieces about asking for something is that it is vulnerable. You are opening yourself up to rejection and it's a lot harder to say stop than it is to say no. So if you are a person who wants to kiss their partner and you think I could just kiss them and they'll, they'll say no, if they, they'll say, they'll say stop if they don't like it. Well, you're saving yourself because now you're, it's, it's almost connected. It's because it's harder to say stop than no, you're now less likely to face rejection, but really you're assaulting them, right? It's, it's not in the way we talk about assault in terms of like a violent assault, right? They're your partner, but you've never kissed before. You have no idea if they have an interest in kissing you. You haven't talked about it yet. And, and so to, to not be vulnerable, you're foregoing consent practices and just putting your lips on theirs and, and saying to yourself, oh, they'll say stop if they don't want it. But um, 
I don't know, like, I'll, I'll share that personally, like here's some vulnerability. When I look back at some experience, I experiences I had dating, I definitely think like, oh yeah, if they asked me, I would have said no. Like it was fine. But if they asked me, I would have said no. Right. And I'm, it's, it's not uncommon. I posted about this recently in social media and I got a lot of people saying me too. Um, and so, so A, recognizing that it requires vulnerability to ask. And so teaching people how to ask is super important. Uh, and then with the shame piece, it's really important that when someone is vulnerable, that we do not shame them. Vulnerability is not catcalling, right? That's, it's not being vulnerable. Vulnerable is asking your date for a kiss. If you are on a date with them, as long as everything has gone smoothly, it is not, I don't think it is unreasonable for them to ask for a kiss. Let's, we're talking in an adult world. Um, and so if you say, ew, how dare you ask me, you are now shaming them for a consent practice. And then so they're, from just like a behavioral perspective, they're less likely to do it in the future. And so we don't want to do that. Instead, just say, I had a very nice time, but no, or don't even say you had a nice time. Like, no, I'm good. Thanks. High five, hug whatever it is. Um, and it's the same with, um, it's, so we don't want to shame people for asking. We don't want to shame people also for their no. Like I talked about in the beginning with like handling rejection. Are you saying like, okay, cool. Or are you saying, um, oh, you're a prude. Um, that's really shaming too. We don't want to shame someone because that's a form of coercion as well, right? They want to remove the shame and get you to think that they're not shameful. And so they'll say yes, when they don't really mean that yes. And so vulnerability and shame is very much intertwined with the um, practice of consent because for those reasons and because in at least American society and Canada is not so different, um, the body is shameful. We are taught that the body, you know, cover it up, um, be, be modest. It's not good. Or even like change the way it looks. It's too fat. It's too big. Um, and the body isn't something to be shameful of and talking about your boundaries or your desires is not something to be shameful of either. And so we really do ourselves a disservice when we shame people for being vulnerable and expressing their honesty about their, their wants and the body. Ooh, I feel like I just talked for a very long time. Yeah, I have a follow-up question to to that, which is okay. So, how do we, you know, how do we, how, like, how would we talk to our kids about like the appropriate responding, um, or either responding to the person who's rejecting us, or responding to being um, shamed by another, right? So, if I'm asking you know, do you, like, would you be interested in a kiss? I don't know how they would, I, I don't know. I don't know how they would ask it, but let's just use that as an example. And the person's like, oh my God, no. Like, what would you say? Like, how would you teach your kid to kind of deal with that as the first example? Yeah, it, it really depends on the person's personality. Um, and also, again, like how they're feeling that day. If I am feeling like strong goddess-like energy, I would probably want to say like, you can just say no. 
you don't have to shame me. It is not shameful to ask for consent and then walk away. Right. I also might just be like, okay. And then walk away. Right. Like there is, it's really about the, do you know that you were not wrong in putting up your boundaries? And that doesn't mean it's easy. Right. And you might cry about it after and feel bad that they shamed you and then talk about, and then have a conversation about how your body, your boundaries, this person is just feeling, um, bad that they got rejected. Um, or that they, I'm forgetting which scenario we're talking about. This person is getting. The, the, uh, the person is being shamed for asking. For asking, right. Yeah. So, right. So they're shaming you. They they don't know how to talk about their body. And so they're shaming you. It's possible that they're attracted to a gender that's different than yours and they haven't come to terms with that. And so they're projecting it onto you. You know, there are many reasons, but you did the totally right thing by asking. Uh, yeah, it's hard, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm just thinking that, you know, you probably, I, I guess what I'm thinking to myself is, you know, having a conversation around, you know, you may be vulnerable at some point trying to do the right thing with asking for consent, but you need to also be prepared that not everybody's going to respond in a particular way. And should you run into a situation like, this where they're cool, then like everything's kind of cool, but you may run into a situation where somebody, you know, makes you feel bad um, about yourself. And so what I want you to remember is you've done the right thing by setting those boundaries. I know it's going to hurt, you know, and just, if you can, you know, take the high road and just be like, you know, like you said, it's not wrong of me to express myself the way I have. And that's cool. You said, no, that's sufficient. You know, the, the, like the no was a full answer. It was a full sentence. I didn't, you know, you didn't need to add in your commentary or judgment and, you know, and then saying to your child, you know what? And if that happens, you know, and you're upset about it later, like, let's, let's, let's work through that. Let's talk through that. But I guess if you're kind of already, you know, having that conversation around, like, here are some scenarios that could happen. Here are some, you know, healthier ways to, respond. Yeah, definitely. And it comes up, it's funny, I'm, I don't think I've really uh, dove deep into what you do if someone shames you for asking beyond, you know, like maybe saying something, definitely, you know, walking away. Where it comes up for me mostly is in the opposite scenario where you are shamed for your no. Oh, yeah, and that, 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 that happens. Yeah. That happens for sure. And that's, I, I would, in my mind, a little bit of a higher stake scenario. And for that, my favorite line is you asked, I said, no, it's very much like asked and answered. It's like when they're like, come on, please, please, babe. I really want to though. It'll be so fun. I promise. It's like, it's like, it's not getting into the, the like negotiating who's right and who's wrong. Cause it's not about right and wrong. There is no right and wrong. It's you responded no. Asked and answered. I asked you said no. I asked you said no. You're not hearing my no, so I'm gonna walk away. Right? That's that's already and that's a signal. That's not a safe person. They're trying to coerce you. Um, and if if that was like a like a slip up or they're young, you know, you can talk to them about my boundaries are to be respected. You know, if next time I say no and you keep on asking. I'm going to have to reconsider this relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think like you just said, you know, in those, you know, having some examples or having some, you know, tips, like you can just say, you know, you can say this, it doesn't mean an automatic breakup, but it means like, you want to keep a very close eye on this and then make a, you know, make a decision and then maybe try it with one of those, what did you call it? The low level, the low level boundary, right? Like at that point you can, you can then like say, okay, well, like, let's, you know, let's, let's just see how you respond to a simple thing. And this is the thing is that, is that people often ask, like, so do you have to ask every time? Do you have to ask if you move from like their shoulder to their elbow, you know? And, and my rule kind of is for any new person, any new touch, absolutely. Um, and for other, for like relationships that have um, more of a foundation, still any new touch must get consent. I don't care if you've been dating for seven years. I don't care if you've been married for 40 years. If all of a sudden you want to do something different, ask first. At minimum conversation, right? Like having a conversation maybe beforehand, like, hey, you know, I was thinking it'd be really fun to spice up our relationship. And like, maybe we could try role playing. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? You know, like, and then you can actually have like a pre-conversation so that like when you get into it, Right. You're kind of just checking in. You're you're reading off of each other. Like, is this, you know, is, you know, this yep. going well uh, versus like right in the middle of, you know, let, let, let's just pause for a second, have a full on conversation. But, you know, having conversations in advance about like where where are we in the relationship and what am I, you know, what am I comfortable exploring? And then, you know. Let's go from there. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's, that's also where the, the, when comes in is because I think you're right. The first part is the conversation and then, but I'm a little, it's a conversation. So let's say you're, you're 18 years old or 17 years old and you're thinking about having sex, uh, having like penetrative sex with your partner for the first time, you might talk about it. And then Mm -hmm. Saturday night comes in, you're not in the mood. So it is still, you know, checking in really in the moment. Um, But yeah, having a conversation before is also really important. And then also like, if again, if you do have that foundation, then things like safe words or opt-ins, opt-outs, which are um, like, if you ever want to uh, touch my hair, it's an opt-in. Like I need to opt into that. I need to give you a yes in order for you to meet, for me to be okay with you touching my hair. Uh, kisses on my forehead though, assume I want it unless I say otherwise, mm. which is an opt out. So I, I'm not going to kind of like blame you or anything for kissing my forehead without me asking because I 99% of the time want it. So I'll put the onus on me to opt out. But that's something for adults. You need a fully developed brain to get into that territory. Yeah. Um, but, but for, but for kids, it's, or yeah, for kids and young adults, it's really about having, um, having those conversations. I forgot how we got here. Yeah, me too. That's okay. We went off on a, we went off on a, we went off on the, all of a sudden we're talking about, but like, yeah, it's all oh, right. About asking every time. Um, yeah. If it's a new person, if it's a new thing until they're comfortable checking in is great. Yeah. Perfect. Um, 
let's, you know, if it doesn't get complicated enough, um, let's, let's talk about like social media and the impacts of like that and popularity and like how social cultural con well, in this case, a social construct can make things complicated. Yeah, so I, I typically talk about consent in terms of physical touch, but there is definitely, uh, you can be on an online environment that either embodies consent values or doesn't. Um, and so the biggest one for teens and tweens is really social media and recognizing that you can say no and this is more boundaries in general about saying no to things on social media. Like I want you to send me a picture of, you know, this body part or that body part. Um, it still does have to do with the body and it's realizing that like you can say no. And this is where those power dynamics I was talking about come in because right, just like it'll be hard to say no to uh, an, an adult, if you've been told your whole life to respect adults and listen to adults, can also be really hard to say no to the popular kid at school um, or the person on social media who you don't even know, but has a lot of followers and a lot of likes and everyone says they're amazing, right? That's like that, that's that piece of popularity. So this is where um, it's important to not just understand consent as, as like hugs and kisses, but really as that, like a value system and recognizing that you have choice and certain things will impact your choice and they impact everyone's choices. It's subconscious. Um, uh, you know, when psychologists like, like, likes, like is what we call it in psychology. It's always a fun one to say. Um, so if someone's similar to you, you're more likely to like do things for them. Um, if someone right is popular, they might, you might do things for them also. And so it's really being taking a step back and being aware. And before you make any decisions that are decisions for things you've never done before, like sending a photo or sending a photo to this person really thinking about um, what is impacting your decision. Are you doing it because you have decided you want to, or are you doing it because they asked you to when they're popular, or you're nervous they're gonna break up with you, or uh, your friends will make fun of you, or they'll make fun of you, and like re realizing where your decision is coming from. And I think that's, you know, where you were saying, I think in our previous conversation about like having that self-awareness piece of like, well, what, you know, what do you want and what do you want to explore? And, you know, having a, is that mindfulness piece and awareness piece of yourself. Um, and then, you know, teaching them, you know, teaching kids to kind of ask themselves the questions. And I mean, it could be like totally, you could start with like totally simple things. Like, why do you want that toy so bad? Like, is it because all your friends have the toy or is it right? I mean, and those get challenging conversations, right? Because the kid really wants the toy, right? Um, but kind of setting that, you know, those examples or setting like the, the conversation, like you don't have to do everything that like other people want you to do. And it's like, well, do you even like this toy? You, if you do, like, why do you like this toy? And, you know, getting them to start, you know, just, I mean, 
depending on their age, their, their cognitive uh, processing critical thinking skills may be very different, but, you know, it's just kind of like, if, you know, introducing ideas and concepts that eventually grow into bigger concepts that it's not going to be like such a foreign conversation. Yeah. And I think that's where uh, being vulnerable yourself comes in is because again, this concept that like consent is easy and simple does way more hard than good. You can talk about times where you made a decision and you were persuaded to do something that kind of went beyond your boundaries and what impacted your decision so that they know that it's so normal. It is so normal that you're going to have a desire to say yes to someone while you want to say no to them. Mm. We don't talk about that. It's not just saying no. Saying no is hard. And so if you can talk about times where it's been hard for you to say no, then it allows them, it gives them permission to be like, oh, saying no is hard. And they might not say no. And it's supporting them and helping them grow in those decisions because you'd rather them talk to you about those decisions than make those decisions and not talk to you. Right, right. I mean, if they kind of, especially if they like, oh, you know, I kissed a boy and I really didn't want to and I didn't like it. You know, if you're like, didn't we have a conversation around consent? And, you know, then then we, you know, we have to be careful not to shame them because, you know, if they make a mistake with a kiss and hopefully like, you know, it's not going to be, you know, t- very tra- like a very traumatic experience, but you, you want them to be able to talk to you when it's about something more serious, right? So how we react as parents to this conversation and how we have conversations around how it's hard and difficult, um, you know, it's not always easy to like consider every single thing in every single situation. We're human and, um, you know, and and being able to talk and and be like, okay, maybe this would have been a better approach, or maybe you should have said this, or maybe you should have, you know, or maybe next time you could do this, like, and maybe turning it into a conversation around, um, you know, suggestions and options. And then I'm thinking, you know, acknowledging, I think probably the first step is, you know, being acknowledging of what they're feeling about it probably first before you offer suggestions, or maybe we should ask them if they want suggestions, <laughs> you know, asking the consent. Yeah. Okay. Open, open-ended questions are a great way of like, Oh, what, what, what do you think you would have wanted to do? Mm. Do you know why you didn't do that? Or even like, why didn't, like what got in the way of doing that? I should say, um, And right. And then asking them if you want some suggestions. But I mean, I don't know any adult who has never crossed their boundaries in some way or in a social situation where they said yes when they wanted to say no. And maybe if it it doesn't have to do with kisses, but like went to a friend's party when they really wish they hadn't or whatever. We're all doing that all the time, doing that all the time. And so to to show that empathy to your kids of like, I've made mistakes, too. And it's just making sure we don't make big mistakes and making a big mistake usually does not come from consensual touch. It comes from you didn't ask first. Um, And so it's really instilling 
that we are going to we we are not going to be perfect. It's not about getting consent and then you did it so you're good to go. It's about like human interaction. I think often about um, like arguments with spouses or partners. Have you ever had a perfect argument? <laughs> like, have you ever? Or sorry, are you? Do you always have the perfect argument with your with your partner? Like. No one does where they're just like so gracious and even level tone and assertive, but not aggressive and not submissive and don't just walk away. And, you know, we all make mistakes in our interpersonal interactions. We just hope we don't do the big ones like punching our partner in the face because exactly. that's, like, that's like a threshold we don't want. And when we do make a mistake and raise our voice, we go, oh, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I'm heated right now. Just the same thing where like you you know, you um, touch their hair when you know they don't like it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I was just on like autopilot mode, right? It's it's about that relationship building and taking it and having accountability as opposed to um, like, did you do it? Did you not binary um, type of situation, if that makes sense. What I get is this is hard, <laughs> right? This is hard. Having the conversation is hard. Having a conversation about sex is hard. Having conversations about your kids to like try to help them make sure that they don't make those big mistakes is hard. And as you can see, even we fumble around with like, what's the best way to approach this? And I think one of the answer or one of the things that, or the message that I'm sort of getting is like, you're not going to have this perfect conversation about consent. You're not going to have the perfect conversation about sex with your kids. Like try, try to have a conversation. And like, you can always say, sorry, I said that wrong. I didn't mean to say it like this. I meant to say it like this, right? Because we are going to, you know, in that you know, in those particular moments, like we're nervous, they're like awkward, we're awkward, right? Like trying to have a conversation around, you know, body boundaries, right? You know, sometimes things are not going to come out right. And then, but then you have the opportunity to like make that correction. And hopefully they, you know, your kids are going to see like, it is complicated. And maybe sometimes asking mom or dad about like a scenario to be like, you know, how should I handle something like this? Um, yeah. are good. And you can make a game out of it. Like, like with the who, what, where, when, how. Okay, so imagine you're at a party, it's this time, it's with that person, and like and like almost challenge yourselves and go back and forth of what you would do. Yeah. Um, there, there are ways to talk about this that it that it's more like right, that it's not a list of rules they have to follow, because that's boring. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're important, yeah. but but like beyond the like in like it has to be informed, it has to be enthusiastic, whatever. Like go over that, but then it's about like, what do you do when things get tricky and are and are complex and like and often there's not a, a right or wrong answer. And in doing that, it's not like no, here's what you should do. Instead, it's oh, you made that choice. Here's what I would have done, and here's why I wouldn't do what you did. Mm. Right. It's not about right or wrong again, because they might make that choice in the moment. You you don't know. Under so the pressure of the game, you know, uh, or, you know, the, of the mind. Uh, for some reason, I have clue in my head, like, you know, Mr. Mustard in the living room with like the, you know, whatever, the candlestick or whatever. Anyways, you just made me think of that as a total okay. random aside. So I'm thinking, you know, who was the killer? Oh, I think it was Bola. Okay, here's why I don't think it was blah, blah, blah. 
So there you go. There's a, there's, there's my board game example of how you can have a game with about consent. Exactly. And what's also helpful about that is it's not, it's, it's helpful. It gives you the opportunity to think through the decision to have them hear you make your decision. So you chose that decision. I'm choosing this because of X, Y, and Z. What do you think about that? And then it's a back and forth because what we really want to nurture is their decision-making skills. Because it's a process, not a destination. Beautifully said. Okay. All right. Um, uh, any, um, any tips on like when you talk about saying no and you feel like you want to say yes, but you want to say no, uh, no, sorry. You, you're, you're about to say yes. You feel like you're going to say no. Like, is there any like tips you have for individuals who find themselves like in that situation? Like what's yeah. a, what's a good way to back out without it being so like, complex i don't know if i'm i don't know if i'm asking the question very well i just i think there's a lot of difficulty around saying no in some cases um you know how can kids you know kind of like work through that yeah i think there's a lot of like pre-work to that which is setting up the idea that no isn't mean Okay. I think that's really important things for kids to understand is that saying no to someone is not being mean. Can, um, can I hug you right now? No, that's not mean. And that is, and again, body boundaries are different than other boundaries, right? Um, can I play the game with you? Just a straight no. If they're your friend might be a little harsh. And that's honestly even true for a hug, right? You don't owe anyone more than a no, but if it's a relationship, you might want to nurture that relationship and give an explanation. Um, so I think saying that no isn't isn't mean as one. Um, remembering, knowing that saying no is hard is even helpful um, because then it you can almost be like, okay, like some self-talk of like saying no is going to be hard. This isn't just say no. This isn't something that should be easy. It's like, it's like that, uh, it's like when you have expectations for something, right? If you expect something to be easy and then you get there and it's hard, you're like, wait, whoa, I feel like, I feel like I was taken advantage of here. No one told me this was going to be hard. I was told this is going to be easy. Whereas if you know it's going to be hard, you're like, all right, it's hard, but I'm going to do it. Um, as opposed to just like walking away from it completely. Um, so that is helpful. And then practice. Practice is super helpful because then you kind of feel it in the body um, and so you can do also games and it depends for this. It depends how old your kids are. You're not going to get this to happen with your 16 year old. I don't think if you do, I want to hear about it. Um, but if you, you know, with your 10 year old, you practice, okay, here's the game. I'm going to ask you for a hug and you're going to say no. And then we're going to switch it for, for a kid who's 10, that's still like pretty empowering that they're getting permission to say no. And they're told they get to reject mom or dad or whoever, um, and so then it feels like in their body. And then a big piece of that is the discussion afterwards. So what was that like to say no, right? It was funny or it was uh, easy or it was hard. Okay. What if, and I do this in, in my workshops, what if I give you a Hershey kiss and then I'm going to ask you for a hug and I want you to say no. 
So they give, you know, a piece of chocolate, can I have a hug? And like, it's hard to say no. Someone just gave you something and you know the instructions are say no. So you want to say no, but you also want to say yes because you're having fun with, with whoever in this game. And so it kind of, and they're like, oh, this is what it feels like in the body. I feel kind of like, uh, maybe I feel it in my heart or my throat and talk about that. So uh... after that. When they encounter that in the outside world, they're like, oh, it's one of those moments. And then it makes it a little bit easier to say no. And also the more practice you have at saying no and being assertive and things like that, the easier it becomes. That is so interesting because I'm just, I'm having a little light bulb moment. Literally the sun is kind of like beaming on me right now. And I'm literally having a light bulb moment of like, um, we're not taught or I feel like we haven't been taught or told about unpleasant bodily sensations. And so when we get them, we ignore them or we shove them down or we do all kinds of things because, you know, we don't want to feel these unpleasant sensations. And what you're saying is the exact opposite, which I actually agree then offers way better coping skills because if you can, if you can understand the body sensation with the emotion and understand that those are not bad things, they're just signals. Your body is signaling to you that like you are now in a challenging situation. And in some cases, like this is a safety situation. And so you want to be aware of those gut feelings and those inner sensations. And then having discussions around them helps people become less afraid of unpleasant sensations in their body. So when they have to make a decision, you know, they know what that feeling is. And there's so many different feelings that you would get with so many different contexts. But if we don't even have discussions around somatic feelings, that's why, yeah, okay. That's why it's so hard. Bodies are smart. Bodies are smart. They're way smarter than we give them credit for. And it's so important to nurture that because also like, we don't want our kids to make decisions about touch base and logic, right? It's not like we've been dating for three months, so we should, because everyone else in our class who's been dating for three months has, right? That's that's logic. I mean, yep. it's, it's, you follow the order of operations. Whereas if you're like, I, I hear what you're saying. I see that you're frustrated. And my body's telling me I'm not ready yet. And my emotions are just as valid as your logic. Yeah. Or yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a really good kind of example to do, obviously, with with your younger kids so that, you know, you're you know, you might not be as successful right now with your 16 year old who's like, what are you talking about, mom? Like, come on, being weird. Um, but, you know, but but having those conversations early about bodily sensations and like what you might feel in those circumstances and then getting them to kind of feel that situation is going to, right. We're going to have a memory of that. And hopefully, you know, we hope that what we're kind of teaching them, what we're advising them. So when they are in that situation, right. That memory goes, Oh, I've, I've been here before. 
right? Your, your neurophysiology remembers, and hopefully that'll spark the memory to be like, oh yeah, right. This is probably a good time to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And the difference between like a pit in your stomach versus like butterflies in your stomach, like there are so many bodily sensations. And so you can do practice outside of those moments to tune into those. And obviously they're not the same, but like, trust me, try the Hershey kiss thing. It's hard to say no. Yeah, especially for like a younger kid, right? Yeah, for sure. This has been really interesting with like very intriguing light bulb moments. And like, hopefully, you know, you know, it's hard. It's a hard conversation. Um, there's no right or wrong way. But hopefully now parents can kind of have like at least a little bit of a framework, like who, what, where, how, I think is a great thing. And like practicing, you know, what you just said might be two really great tips on beginning that conversation around like body boundaries and like saying no. If people want to find you, follow you, see what you're up to, read some of the stuff you post, where should they go? I would love anyone who's listening to come find me on Instagram at comprehensive consent. Uh, I post daily sometimes twice a day, a lot of information on how to think about body boundaries, consent, the emotions involved, the social interactions, all of it to kind of rethink how we approach bodies and body boundaries. Um, so yes, Instagram, I'm very active. And then also on my website at comprehensiveconsent.com, I have a tool there for parents of kids really ages like six and up. It's called the comprehensive consent checklist, consent competence checklist, so many C's, consent competence checklist, um, where I break down questions for you to ask yourself about your child. Does my child know this? Does my child know how to do that? Does my child know what to do if? Um, and so you can kind of see where the gaps in their knowledge is. Um, oh, that's so helpful. Yeah, which is a really helpful tool. Um, and that that kind of um, models what boundary setting bootcamp is, which is a course that I offer for kid, for parents of kids ages six to 12. So if you're noticing that there are, if a parent is noticing there are a bunch of gaps and they want to kind of help fill those, uh, boundary setting bootcamp is filled with games and activities like the Hershey Kiss one, um, where they can work with their child to really feel in their body every activity, every, there are 12 lessons for 12 consent skills, every lesson starts with the mindfulness activity, it's all very like activity based, because kids six to 12 don't want to talk, have, you know, conversations yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this. Um, and so people can learn a little bit more there as well. Amazing. And we'll have all the links in the show notes for people. Um, and uh, so you can find that in like the podcast description. You can also find that on um, our website, ecophysio.com forward slash blog or through the podcast tab. Uh, so the details will be there. So it'll be easy to find the links to her website and Instagram. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with me about this uh, and like flounder around. Uh, gosh, I'm nervous when I have to, you know, Get I love there, but it's important. It's so important to flounder. Floundering is so, it, well, that's how we learn, right? We make mistakes and we learn and we, we navigate challenging things. Um, and so thank you so much. Thank you, Madeline.
I want to just take a moment to thank our listeners and, you know, encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you stay up to date with the latest and greatest. If you know any parents who have children between the ages of like six and 12, this this might be kind of helpful to give them like a, you know, glimpse into like what kind of having a conversation around consent might look like and, you know, hopefully have some tips and some starting places. And uh, we will see you guys. Well, we won't see you, but we hope that you're listening on the next episode. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.